every corner of the digital universe. You can't instant link to the internet. And Stradi Naylor, E3 video phone. Technology called eye smell. Smelling mold and mildew and animals. Man, I got to smell a swamp today. Welcome to Water Cooled Potato, your guide to the obsolete and absurd tech of the past, present, and future. I'm Kevin. I'm John. And today's topic is more of the future obsolete kind of things. Okay. A lot of people don't think it's entirely stupid, but it's it's slowly becoming less and less used throughout society, so I thought I would cover it. Okay. At first I was thinking we were going to have another ridiculous Kickstarter. Mm, nope. This has been around for years in its history. It goes back more than 100 Okay. Do you want to guess the topic? Uh, Apple products. No! Hey, stop it. Stop bashing Apple. That's me. Tablets as a whole. What? Tablets? Mm Mm-hmm. Around for 100 years. I said their history, not the physical device. Big difference. I mean, if you're talking stone tablets, you could go back... Hundreds of years. I knew you were going to say that at some point. No. A thousand, probably. No. (sighs) Before I talk about why tablets are obsolete, let's go over its history real quick. Okay. In the beginning, well, after the word tablet meant an electronic device and not stone with writings on it, John, (laughs) a patent was filed in 1914. (laughs) 1914 for it patented the idea of quote a system that recognized handwritten characters by analyzing the handwriting motion end quote okay however the concept wasn't displayed to the public until 1956 so yes I can say that the history of it is more than a hundred years old sure (laughs) From the 1950s to the 1980s, some sci-fi movies and books started promoting the idea of tablets, including the film 2001, A Space Odyssey. Interesting. I don't recall seeing tablets, but mm-hmm. it's been a while. Well, I, I haven't. I honestly haven't watched it yet. I'm going to eventually. In 1968, a PhD candidate designed a tablet, but when it was released in 1972, it wasn't very good. The market targeting towards children was good, but the price was a whopping six grand. <laughs> Accounting for inflation in today's money, that's $37,000. <laughs> Not many people are willing to spend that much on a children's toy. I mean, you get that for like the 10-year-old and you get a, I don't know, a Ferrari for the, the teenager. I mean, if you're super rich. Yeah, clearly. Yeah, and also, this was the early 70s, so computers weren't very powerful. But then again, we we're talking about a tablet that just recognizes handwriting. While I'm not an expert on how much computation it needs, it probably needs at least some. Yeah. Anyway, since computers kept staying in demands as the years went by, more and more funding went into improving computers and its hardware. Right. I said it last episode, but this is another instance of the beauty of capitalism. Oh, boy. Something that's useful and in high demand gets better and cheaper through innovation. 
true. Anyways, in 1987, Apple sponsored a contest to design, quote, the personal computer of the year 2000. Oh, is this that? (laughs) Didn't Apple have a stupid tablet thing? What was it called? The entry that won was called Tablet in all caps. Okay, then. In 1993, Apple released the Apple Newton. Yes! A tablet, a tablet device with a six-inch screen and 800 grams of weight. Oh, yeah. That's more than three times heavier than your phone. Oh, uh, yeah. More than that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Hey, wow. but you're able to write on it and stuff and it had its own operating system. And what OS did it run? I'm getting to that point. I got a little bit ahead of myself. All right. Now, remember, at this point in history, a tablet was a device that you wrote on with a special pen, and it recognized your handwriting, not like a smartphone to big screen. Okay. It wasn't until 1993 when a tablet-slash-laptop had an operating system very similar to a personal computer, which ran MS-DOS 6.2 and Windows 3.1. Okay. No, John, they didn't run at the same time. Here's the problem I have. Um... I'm not sure how a tablet with MS-DOS would work. Yeah, okay, th- yeah, that's the thing. At all. You need a keyboard for DOS! Yeah. You need a keyboard. And I don't care how good your handwriting recognition is. No one wants to write slash, parentheses, dash, underscore. Nobody wants to handwrite symbols. What about the Windows 3.1 edited... Oh, wait, this was the tablet slash laptop. See, it's a regular laptop, but if you take the keyboard out, it acts as a tablet. So it's like a two-in-one? Yeah. Okay. I imagine it was quite thick, but it was a (laughs) (laughs) two-in-one. Right? Okay. There were also a lot of different companies that tried to make a tablet device. Some were successful in launching, while others didn't even get past the prototype. Yeah. (laughs) Fast forward to the 2010s, and tablets are what we know them for today. Smart devices that aren't a phone because their screen is bigger, and they don't have a SIM card. Well, some do. Oh, true. You're right. There are tablets that are... Phones. 4G enabled. Yeah. And... So are they technically phones? (laughs) you could have a whole debate on what technically is a phone i mean it's really kind of ridiculous that we call the computers we carry in our pockets phones what oh well it's a smartphone you see yeah Uh, being able to make phone calls is one of dozens of functions that it does (laughs) calling it a phone Seems a bit ridiculous to me, but whatever. But that means your laptop can be a phone, because you can make calls. Exactly. (laughs) Your phone can take pictures, play music, play back videos. Should you call it a camera? Should you call it a movie theater? Should you call it... A movie theater? Really, John? Okay. (laughs) Fine. You get the point, though. Yeah. Continue. Now, in the 2010 time period, tablets are kind of mostly useful still. Mm. 
until the Galaxy Fold came along <laughs> by Samsung <laughs> in <Fold>. 2019. <laughs> no. No, no, no. Although the phone was canceled due to technical issues. <laughs> if you peel off the... If you peel off what looks like a screen protector... Oh, the, yeah, that's right. It, everything The $2,000 phone dies. Oh, yeah, that's right. It just dies. Yeah. Also, the... <laughs> It slowly starts to die. <laughs> there's no, like, originally, there was no warning saying, don't peel this off. It's not just a film to protect the screen during shipping. So people would peel off mm -hmm. part of the screen, and then it would die. Also, there was holes in the back of the hinge, and sand could get into the back of the hinge, and then when you open it, the sand punctures the screen from behind. Most of the devices given to reviewers died in the first week. Oh. Which is not a good publicity stunt. If you buy this new phone, it lasts a whole week. Exactly. That's not what you want people hearing. They did finally re-release it, though. You buy one. I'm not going to. But, well, if you don't like the Samsung phone... No, I don't like any of them. I'm There's not, more foldable oh, ones on the I market. Know I know it, and I'm not buying one. I don't want any part of foldable phones. What about in five years? I was about to say for a good long while. Mm. Maybe in five years. Maybe. I think it's going to be a fad that dies out like tablets did. And uh. now that's on record, so... If we're still doing this podcast in five years, people can write in and... Okay, this is where I disagree. Foldable phones aren't stupid. It's just the concept isn't stupid. But like if you do it like how Samsung did, it's just two weird, short, tall <laughs> halves of a phone. Then yes, I agree with you. It's stupid. But if it's like kind of a regular phone, but folds up into thirds neatly and just pull it out and you have nice big screen, then maybe a foldable phone is worth it. In I my humble opinion. Yeah, I still have my doubts. For one thing... Battery? Yes, battery. <laughs> you, If you don't want to make it considerably thicker, then you're still dealing with roughly the same size battery, but at least twice the power draw from the screen. Cutting your screen on time in half, roughly. Mm -hmm. Then you've got the matter of how on earth you put a case on the thing. <laughs> the only way that a case is going to prevent it from folding shut is if it only goes around the edges, and then that's not a very effective case. Also, hmm. as far as okay. I know, there's still not a good solution for putting screen protectors on these things, although I'm sure someone will figure out something eventually. Hmm. Good point. So does that mean you're going to buy a tablet sometime soon? No, I think large phones are, large single screen phones are going to win in the end, I think. Mm, I agree with you. One of my main reasons to believe that tablets are slowly going to die out and eventually will is that there's less than 10% of them to all smart devices, whether it be desktops, laptops, mobile phones, and tablets, and they keep shrinking every year. So I'm not saying that they're completely useless right now. I'm just saying it's tablets are pretty much useless. 
Although some businesses use them, like for kiosks or POS systems. One place I worked for uses used iPads. Yeah, I've seen stuff like that. Really, I think tablets fit into kind of an awkward place mm-hmm. because phones are intended to be small, easily carried with you everywhere, mm-hmm. allow you to do nearly anything wherever you are. Computers are filling the role for whatever tasks you can't complete on your phone, most Mm -hmm. of which involve needing more processing power or a full (laughs) keyboard or a larger screen or more storage, Mm -hmm. those type of things that a tablet realistically isn't good at. If you put a keyboard on a (laughs) tablet, it's basically just a laptop at that point. And then install Windows 8. Because everybody would want a tablet with a keyboard in Windows 8, right? How about Windows 8.1? They put the start button back in. (laughs) They did nothing that you couldn't do with a little bit of tinkering. You could use third-party software to add a start button. But a lot of people don't want to bother to do that or know how to. Well, then they probably don't care that much. Hmm. Maybe. Windows 8 was a dumpster fire, in my opinion, but (laughs) it's gone now, and nobody has to think about it anymore. So it's worse than Bob. They didn't ever try to, like, convince people that... but Like, they didn't try to convince people that you could do actual work on Bob, did they? Like... They weren't, no, good point. They weren't trying to tell programmers <laughs> that they were going to be coding applications in Microsoft Bob. But then they go and... Well, there is a word processor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With a fake parchment scroll. Why not? <clears throat> and they go and hand us Windows 8 and expect people to do actual work with it. Write code, edit video, edit audio, photos, whatever. No, thank you. Attempting to get actual work done on Windows 8 is painful. Mm-hmm. And requires relying heavily on desktop shortcuts to everything and searching in the start menu because... Scroll the sideways scrolling tiles were truly a pain. Yeah, I didn't miss that. I've I've experienced Windows eight point one. It's no eight was worse. I mean, yeah. (laughs) (sighs) What do you think about say the Microsoft Surface tablets? Well, to my knowledge, they aren't very durable. Oh, they're not durable at all. Yeah, there was, I've heard of one company that they were considering getting these Microsoft services. So they got a few of them to test in their office, and most of them got busted up within a month or something like that, if I remember correctly. Yeah. They I don't last very well long. <laughs> yeah. I bought a broken one and repaired it, and those things break so easily the screens on those things are like paper. The glass is incredibly thin. Oh. 
And the frame is made from a magnesium alloy, if I recall correctly. Oh boy. So it's metal. It's not very strong, though. <laughs> it can crack. And if you drop it on the corner, the metal oh. corner will dent inward, impact the edge of the glass, and shatter it. Yeah. And if I remember right, new screens cost anywhere from a hundred to two hundred dollars. That's if you buy the screen and install it yourself. Oh, most people aren't going to do that. No, they're not. Also, you can't get to the SSD without taking the screen off, and taking the screen off without shattering it, especially with the original tar-like adhesive, is not easy. Yeah, but the surface is supposed to be thin and super portable. But it also has to be... A product has to be durable, also. Like, if it's going to be portable, it has to be durable, at least to a point. Well, the more of them that break, the more they get to repair at inflated prices. That's assuming they're going to bother getting the devices repaired. They could just buy a new one. Which would be even more profitable. I mean, a lot of phone companies do that. Well, not necessarily a lot, but like the big phone companies. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever used a tablet for like daily use or whatever not? Well, when I bought that Microsoft Surface Pro. Oh, you bought it? Yes. I bought one and repaired it. Oh, I thought you bought it broken for some reason. I bought it, it broken and repaired it. Oh, yeah. Duh. <laughs> and then sold it for a very small profit in the end, but <laughs> that was mainly because I kept it for like a year. Oh, yeah. I still managed to get out with a little bit of profit. That's pretty good if you had it for a year and used it. Yeah. It was... I didn't have the keyboard because I didn't figure it was worth it. Maybe that was... <gasps> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it was kind of heavy, to be completely honest. Mm -hmm. Battery life was okay. Mm -hmm. Performance was mediocre. Oh. Was and there anything great? They looked great. Mm. So did you impress anybody and get compliments? No. Oh. Well, then what's the point of having it? <laughs> oh. Hey, stop it. John's hitting his head on the wall again. I don't know why. <laughs> Someone please help me. John's going insane. upload one of the unedited recordings... That's going to be interesting. So what were your thoughts about it in the end? Like, would you do it again? Um, I think there's probably very specific use cases that they're good for. Hmm. Not necessarily mine. Yeah. If you did a lot of digital drawing, it would probably be great. Yes, I agree. Because they work with styluses. Mm-hmm. If you needed something extremely portable that runs Windows, and that's about it, then 
maybe. And I guess if you had smaller hands, mm. the keyboard might be more tolerable, but mm-hmm. it's not very wide. Yeah. <laughs> so there's no way you can fit a decently sized keyboard in that width. Like just laying my hands next to each other in front of it, I could tell that if I got the keyboard, I'd barely be able to type on it anyway. Mm-hmm. And that defeats a lot of the point to that device. It's, yeah. supposed, it's supposed to be a tablet with a keyboard. But if the keyboard's too small to type on, then it's useless. Yeah. I used to have a tablet. It ran Android. It was a little old, but I mainly played games on it, so it was yeah. pretty nice for some, but then hauling it around was sometimes a pain. Yeah. Tablets never had good battery life. Never had decent CPUs, at least in comparison to phones. Mm-hmm. You'd never get the greatest CPU in I had a, a whole tablet. gig of RAM. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I think now people pretty much just buy cheap tablets to give to their kid. Yeah, I agree with you. The two markets that tablets are still useful is, like, creators that draw on it and kids. And those are two very, very different aspects of Mm -hmm. the tablet market. Yeah, you have tablets that are $50, and on the other end, they're like, I don't know. 1500 to 5000 Yeah. <laughs> at least. Mm-hmm. There's the Surface Studio. The oh, giant yeah. Touchscreen I remember that. And it has stylus support for drawing, and I think that thing's at least five grand. Yep. And it doesn't have an external input, so you can't use it as a display with oh. a PC. Mm-hmm. So you're stuck with whatever hardware they pack into the tiny, oh. like eight inch square box in the base of it. But it must be really good because it's five grand, right? Well, they can probably run paint. <laughs> Just paint. <laughs> oh boy! I don't know. I've never used one. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't know either, but I'm guessing that digital artists don't use paint. <laughs> they usually use like Adobe Illustrator or other similar programs. Yeah, probably. <sighs> paint. Wow. Making fun of all those digital artists? I was making fun of the hardware. Oh, okay. I think it's <laughs> probably just high-end laptop hardware, really. So you're not going to get more powerful desktop CPUs. You're just going to get a mobile i7 uh, and a mobile GPU. Mm-hmm. And then 16 gigs of unimpressive RAM. <laughs> Unimpressive. That's okay. Well, I mean, yeah, that describes it. Slow whatever. RAM. Not, yeah. not that it's going to matter that much for an Intel no. CPU. Nope. But you put a thread ripper in that thing. You know how much power that eats? Oh, a lot. And it, yeah, like, you way exceed the space limit. Why do you need a thread ripper in something you're going to use to draw? <laughs> for those of you that don't know, a thread ripper is basically 
a very powerful CPU with a ton of cores, like a ton. Uh, the average CPU has two to six cores. A Threadripper starts at 16, and it draws a lot of power. So needing a Threadripper to draw something doesn't really make sense. Yeah. This episode has turned into just a bunch of aimless rambling. Are you sure it was aimless? Unless you have it going somewhere, because I don't. Mm, kind of did. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> well, John's slowly going crazy over there again, so I guess we should wrap this up. He doesn't have a comment. Bye!